This is Jeffrey Wu, and thank you for joining us for the HVMN podcast. It's Tuesday, June 2nd, and honestly, over this entire weekend, I've been really distracted. It's been hard to focus. We're just coming off the back of flattening the curve of the most global pandemic that we've seen, at least I've seen in my lifetime. Tens of millions of our neighbors, friends, and family are unemployed. People are, are confused. People are upset. And now we have this flashpoint with the homicide of George Floyd. I think we've had all our different plans and ideas of what we wanted to talk about on the HVMN podcast, but it really makes sense for me personally to talk about what I think is lacking in our country today, in our nation today, at all different levels, and that is leadership. This week, we're going to be talking about leadership, breaking that down from my perspective as a systems thinker as an engineer. To be clear, this is not a lecture. This is not political. This is really just me personally talking to you as a fellow human. Like if we think about what life was like in January 2020, none of us could predict that in June 2020, we would be at the tail end, even if it's a tail end or it's a silent lull before you see a second wave of COVID-19. And now we see race riots, curfews, National Guard, talks about U.S. military being deployed into American cities. Honestly, senior officials talking about the domination of the American battle space. That's rhetoric that's concerning, to say the very least. Now, let's get into the meat of this. Let's talk about leadership. The table of contents or the agenda here is that I've identified three main components of leadership. Component one is communication. Component two is transparency and authenticity. And component three is empathy. With each of these components, I'm going to be bringing in technical thoughts as well as personal anecdotes and observations I've seen that are both great examples and poor examples in this recent time. And then once I break down the three components, I'm going to talk about overarching leadership styles. Category one is an us versus them mentality and the pros and cons of that style of leadership. And category two, which is the Harry Truman style of leadership, which is defined by kind of the buck stops here type of leadership. Leadership component number one, communication. I like to think from first principles. So let's really understand what communication is. Communication is just simply information transmission. And what is information transmission? It's simply the notion of transmitting signal from one source to one receiver, and hopefully that signal is clear and separate and distinguishable from noise. The hardest part about communication is that fidelity of that signal and if there's noise that confuses that signal. Let's do a sub-definition of what is signal and what is noise. Signal is true information. It's the ground truth of the exact sentiment, idea, concept that you want to transmit uh, to another receiver. And what is noise? Noise is the infidelity, the impreciseness of words. Right now, I understand that my words are not just words. They're really concepts or ideas that are in my brain. And these ideas don't necessarily are captured by words. So I need my brain needs to figure out the exact English word that best captures my idea. I need to articulate it. And that articulation is further modulated by my tone, my appearance, any other noise that pollutes the idea 
into a human mouth through a device, whether it's internet, video, audio, and then you have your own lens and perspective of what these words mean to you. Referencing examples again, Black Lives Matter. If we take that as a standalone phrase, it should not be a controversial phrase. Blue Lives Matter, All Lives Matter, taken alone, these should not be controversial phrases. But given the overload, your personal experience, the cultural connotation of the group around you, these are very, very powerful phrases that have so much different meaning. So while I might say one of these phrases and have an idea of what I mean by that, the receiver might mean it differently. So that is where noise comes in. Noise is the imperfection of communication, whereas the signal is the exact concept I want to be transmitting. We need to think as leaders, how do we communicate with high signal with low noise? How do we truly communicate our information, the facts in a clear, concise way? And there's multiple ways we can take that. A poor example of this is speakers that are very flowery, very entertaining, interesting. But the part where that goes wrong is once people go home from that rally or go home and sit down and think about what they had just learned from the information transmittal, they realize that nothing really was communicated. And that's what people hate about politicians. I think politicians represent the worst part of that type of communication. They talk a big game and they don't actually say anything. The people that are supposed to be stepping up as leaders are not able to communicate anything to the people. I think another good counterexample of a good communicator that is very poor in terms of entertainment or the floweriness of speech. Someone like Elon Musk, not to be disrespectful, but. Hmm. <laughs> thank you, everybody. Thank you, right, Elon. Thank you. Good night, everybody. He's a, a poor speaker. He's not very fluid. <laughs> He stutters a lot, but the fact is, I think he's a great communicator because his ideas, the signal, the thought, the ideas that he has in his brains are so powerful and so clear. The fact that he can communicate that and people get inspired, which was happened this weekend as well. We launched for the first time in almost a decade, American astronauts on American soil to the International Space Station. And that amount of ability and leadership and communication clearly cannot have happened without strong leadership. And again, what he did great there was high signal. His presentation, his flowerness, let's not give him good marks there. Let's judge and be fair on that point. But the idea, the signal, top notch. So what are my takeaways in terms of leadership component one here for today's public servants and leaders? It's quite simple. Stop with the flowery language. We had enough thoughts and prayers. Let's actually give the people clear answers. Who, what, when, where, why. Simple, journalistic, basic facts. Who? Who is getting prosecuted? Who is getting arrested? Who is getting investigated? When? When is the timeline? Is it happening next week? Is it happening yesterday? Is it happening never? Give people the basic facts. What? Is it homicide? Is it murder? What is going on? Is looting bad? Yes. Let's communicate that. 
people need to understand that someone is in charge and someone is defining what is right and what is wrong. Where my presence here in downtown San Francisco, it's a very different look, a very different feel from across the Bay in Oakland, which might be very different from Minneapolis, Los Angeles, New York City. Our country's too big. It's too diverse to have one simple mandate to rule everyone. Let's actually be nuanced and have local leaders step up to give local best practices. Are we going to be in curfew forever? There are some curfews that are 4 p.m., 5 p.m. My producer, Zill, has to get home before 7 p.m. Communicate that. When is this going to stop? And that leads into my second part, which is transparency and authenticity. When we think about leaders, we think about executive committees and a different class of leaders that are separate from the line workers. We think of the politicians as a different class than the people. We think of the police as different from the people. We think of all these different segmentations where there's privileged groups of information. Look at all the videos. Every single snapshot, whether that's of the incident, the homicide of George Floyd, or protests and the civil unrest, the looting, the rioting, the peaceful side, the, the violent side, literally every single instance has 17 different points of view and 17 cameras facing the exact incident. No one's bullshitting anyone now. The truth is going to be out there. And the fact that some people think that they can be the curators of truth, I think is an indictment to why media is one of the least trusted institutions today. That is not an opinion. That is a statement of fact. Look at the trustability guidelines and surveys of different institutions. Media, along with government, are some of the least trusted institutions. But I think that gives us an opportunity for individual voices to step up and call it how they see it. I oftentimes think that the individual can be more transparent, can be more authentic. Because when I say something, when I speak for myself, I don't have an institution to protect. I don't have monetary interests to protect. I can simply speak for myself. So I see technology empowering everyone to have a voice. And we should double down into the better side of that technology innovation. Yes, it's a double-edged sword, but I think overall, empowering individual voices lets the cream rise to the top, and hopefully the most transparent, most authentic voices dominate the battle space for our mind and our culture and our society. Let's not dominate the streets with folks and guns. Let's dominate with better ideas, better leadership, better communication. I think the anchor point there is transparency and authenticity, because no one can get away with it anymore. I think it is backwards, it is foolish, it is idiotic to think that you can be so smart, smarter than everyone else that you can fool everyone. Let's be real, let's be raw, let's be a little bit imperfect because that's who we all are. We're all imperfect humans, we all make mistakes. If we make mistakes, stand up, take responsibility for the mistakes and try to do better. That's where transparent, authentic voices can really lead and be leaders. And I think you see good examples of that in the community. But what I can tell you is that if you sit in your homes tonight, instead of burning your home to the ground, you will have time to properly plot, 
plan, strategize, and organize, and mobilize in an effective way. And two of the most effective ways is first taking your butt to the computer and making sure you fill out your census so that people know who you are and where you are. The next thing is making sure you exercise your political bully power and going to local elections and beating up the politicians that you don't like. You got a prosecutor sent your partner to jail and you know it was bullshit, put a new prosecutor in there. Now's your election to do it. You guys, you guys can have the street. Y'all can walk all night long and we're going to be out here to make sure nothing happens to you. But don't hit my people. We need to empower more people to be transparent and authentic to themselves. And that is what is going to create the leaders of the next generation. People that are speaking transparently and truly from their heart. How has this idea of transparency and authenticity affected my own personal leadership style? Well, a lot, actually. I think we don't want to admit failure. We don't want to admit mistakes. We don't want to admit hiccups. And I think a lot of us, as we go through our careers and get up into management or leadership positions, everything always has to be okay. Oh, everything always has to be perfect. I think we get this insular mindset where we start shading the truth. And I'm just thinking from our small business at HVMN, Health Via Modern Nutrition, we produce, sell some of the best ketogenic nutrition products out there. And there's always supply chain issues, communication issues, uh, PR issues, personnel issues. And I think a younger version of myself would have always wanted to whitewash or sugarcoat things. You don't want to admit to your employees or your team that we over did our supply chain here, or we under-ordered on one SKU. Now we're stocked out for months. Oftentimes, you feel like it's more defensive to say, don't worry about it. One-time thing, let's brush along and, and move forward. And I think it's okay to move forward, but I think a better sense of leadership is admitting and understanding where it went wrong so you can actually identify and fix it. And I think the thing is, if you're working with great people, they're smart enough to know what the real problems are. And I think it's idiotic and it backfires your own sense of a leader if people doubt your judgment. If you are lying to your people, if you're shading the truth to your own people, your people are smart enough to understand what the real stuff is. You'll lose respect. You'll lose your mandate to be a leader. Show where the warts are. Your people are smart. And if you actually identify what the warts are, your entire team, your entire people can come together to solve that specific problem. And I think that's what we need to do today in our society. There are some real issues with how our institutions are set up, how policing is done, the cultures of policing. I think one aspect that is broken is this militarization of our police force. Police are peace officers. They're law enforcement officers. They're not SEAL Team 6 special operators. And I think when we see the images of our peace officers on the street. They're wearing all black military gear. They really look like the video game SEAL Team 6 operator. I think when you have excess inventory that is excess of military gear going basically at discount to our peace officers, I think we start confusing the culture of our police. The police start forgetting that you're no different than me. I'm a citizen, you're a citizen, we're both civilians, we are not military. The job here is to protect and serve. That is a headline for so many police departments, and we're no longer honoring that and living up to that standard. I think a part of it is that lack of transparency, that authenticity to that job, 
where we forgot what the original purpose of the law enforcement position is. And this is no indictment or disrespect to the police community. I've actually personally had really great experiences with police officers. I can call out one specific great cop, and he's the San Francisco Tenderloin District Police Captain, Carl Fabri. And the news made a minor splash in local news. There was street violence outside our office in the Tenderloin District. Captain Fabri really stepped up as an authentic, transparent leader in this specific case. He actually came to our office, actually sat down with our entire company and answered questions and our concerns of all our people who are worried a little bit about our neighborhood safety. What I appreciated about his leadership at that specific point was that he did not shy away from the street realities of the Tenderloin District in San Francisco. He did not shy away that there's drug dealers and there's the uh, South American uh, cohort and there's the Black American cohort and there's a little bit of a turf war in terms of which city blocks were which territory. That really gained the respect of myself and my colleagues because we know what the real street looks like and we didn't want to hear some BS sugarcoating of, no, this is a great neighborhood and, and whatnot. No, there's some real realities of San Francisco, downtown, Tenderloin District. And that level of communication, of transparent and authentic communication was huge in terms of gaining our respect there. He also talked about the transparent issues with the system, which is the prosecutorial template or rhythm is really based on the district attorney and the prosecutors that serve our city. And that got us actual actionable steps to take to change how policing is done, change how prosecutions are done that we can, as individual citizens, can contribute towards. That's effective leadership. The third and last component of leadership is empathy. I think we all have that stereotypical notion of some general leading at the front, barking authoritarian orders, this very masculine alpha character that we all see as the paragon of leadership. And that is indeed one template of effective leadership. Sometimes those kinds of leadership techniques work in certain small scenarios. But what I've seen in true leaders, leaders that I respect, they always show this quality of empathy. And ultimately, leadership is a business of working with people. And people simply want to work with people that respect and listen to them. Not to say that they're pushovers and that a best leader is someone that just listens to everyone and is just some uh, twig in the wind that blows around and listens to whoever's the last person to talk to them. No, leadership is spending the time to actually listen to each of the constituents. I have a great example in my mind who I see personally that I've learned a lot from, General Peter Pace, a retired Marine Corps general and was a former chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. I've been lucky to get to know him over the last year and he's on the board of HVMN. I remember the first time that he visited our office at HVMN, he showed a statesmanship-like quality. And what do I mean by that? Let me give you an example. I think we had catered in lunch and he just gave his old school practice that officers eat last, meaning the leaders eat last. So he waited till everyone else got their food and then we got the food at the, at the very end. Small example of that empathy of just caring for your people. Another example of General Pace's leadership that really has resonated with me was that he took the time to meet every single person on our team, shake everyone's hand, 
and actually ask for their name. And it wasn't just some BS, I'm going to just say hi, bye, I forget your name. He actually spent the time to look everyone else in the eye, address them by name, and say, it was great to meet you. Look, look forward to talking to you soon. And I think that just effort to actually care and listen to and, and listen showed huge amounts of leadership. I don't, again, very, very small touch of, of humanity, but I think that's really resonated across our entire team where, wow, this gentleman is truly a statesman and is someone that we respect because he showed respect to us. This is what we need today in our society. And I think there's been great examples of leaders in, in our community today that are showing that. I'm remembering there are great clips that are being so shown on social media where the police chief of Atlanta is out on the streets talking to protesters one at a time. And you can tell from that video, she's looking into each protester's eyes, listening and hearing. That's a type of policing. That's a type of leadership that we deserve and demand in our country. I think we've all seen the counter examples of that kind of leadership. You see other talking heads who are just so callous. They're on TV. They're talking about and just brushing each group into one container. And I think both sides have had their issues, right? There's folks that are talking about all protesters are just looters and rioters and they're all terrible. We should shoot them and gun them down like the animals they are. And these are elected officials calling no quarter on protesters or rioters. And there's folks on the completely other side saying, dismantle the police, all police are pigs, they're evil, they're terrible. These spokespeople are showing no empathy. And I think those are both sides are saying that kind of rhetoric are equally terrible, equally poor leadership. My point here, as we talk about communication and, and, and fidelity of that signal, we talk about transparency and authenticity. And I think ultimately, like the most important part of leadership is just the empathy. Being a leader is working well with people. Sometimes I'm in a leadership position. Sometimes I'm in a subservient position. I want to work for and with people that show respect to me. It's simple as that. We're all people with hands, feet, similar DNA. We all could be eating keto or not keto. We're all worried about diet, exercise, longevity. We're all people, no matter how rich you are, what your last name is, whether you're a CEO, a podcast producer, or an audience member that's listening and tuning in, we're all the same. Let's treat everyone the same with that kind of respect. And now let's talk about a couple buckets of leadership styles. History, experiences are all great examples where we can learn from the pros and cons of people that have lived or are living amongst us or have lived in previously before us. One model is this us versus them mentality. This we are the underdogs and we have to fight the uneducated heathen around us. It's actually quite an effective leadership rallying technique. There's something to stand for and fight for. And I see a lot of elite organizations have that tendency, which ultimately ends up being a potential strength, right? So like, for example, the best sports teams, I can't get in. I'm not a professional athlete. You know, the best military teams, I can't get in. I'm not a special operator. There's definitely this notion of a small group that are high performance. That is an effective tool because you create identities for people. 
you create narratives for people and people will work to self-actualize that narrative and identity. Apple is a great example where they talk about we are the creative underdogs. We're the rebels. Though those famous Steve Jobs uh, campaigns, where they're fighting against the man, which is Microsoft or Windows, and those are uh, kind of the lame mainstream folks. And it's funny now that Apple is literally trading between the number one, number two company in market cap in the world, and they're still talking about themselves as the underdog, fighting for like the creative underdog spirit. Again, in terms of leadership, you create. And us versus them mentality and the people that resonate to you really rally and fight with you. Now, where this is bad is when we're talking about it in a social, cultural perspective. Of course, I think you know exactly where I'm leading to this. We're talking about creating an us versus them mentality when there should be really just one whole American identity. It is really sad to start seeing that some of our leaders are really indeed calling Americans enemies. I'm at a loss of words there because that is like talked like saying like a brother or a sister or a friend, you are no longer a part of the family. We are literally an American family, an extended family. And to play that kind of dynamic of us versus them within our American family is a low base form of leadership. Yes, you will win points with your smaller tribe in your political party, but you lose respect in terms of history when we look back on this, which we will get to, we will get through this, we will look back on this. And those people that are calling for no quarter for other Americans, and specifically no quarter in terms of the military means no surrender, uh, basically kill people on, on site. So just to be clear, when Americans are giving other Americans no quarter, that is on the wrong side of history. My point here is that the us versus them mentality, potentially useful and something that I think HVMN is not uh, unabashed to use in terms of saying that, hey, we care about metabolic performance, we care about health, we care about longevity, and folks that don't care about those things, folks that are happy to be obese, not, nothing wrong with being obese, but saying that, hey, that is like a healthy way to live, that is factually incorrect. I think it's fine. Again, it's fine when we're talking about uh, culture, we're fine. We're talking about business, fine talking about brands. But when we're talking about America, that I think is inappropriate use of leadership at the very top levels of our government. Please, public servants, step up, learn from this. This is a nice segue into what I call the second bucket of leadership, which is very much in the lines of President Harry Truman, who was a president that executed sort of the last uh, ending stages of World War II. And he had a famous uh, placard on his desk saying, the buck stops here. That's the type of leadership at the top levels that we need in our country today. A president, a governor, a senator is not just a leader for their political party or their interest group. They are the leader of every single American under their jurisdiction. I really do hope that the better leaders stand up and realize that, no, 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 you're not just the Democrat or Republican leader. You're the American leader. And every single American, whether you're protesting, whether you're a police officer, whether you're military, even if you're a looter and rioter and people are destroying property, you're still American. You should be prosecuted at the extent of the law, but you're American and you have the rights of an American, which means that you not get executed on the street by U.S. military without trial. You are still the leader of the rioters, looters, the criminals who are out on the streets. 
That is my only saying in terms of what I think is a higher level of leadership. Within your organization, you represent not only the very best, but also the very worst of your group. And we definitely have some weak links in the chain of America today. I encourage every one of us that has a voice, that has the energy, that might have any sort of platform to contribute, to stand up and be a leader in your own right. Let's keep this an open dialogue. This is not going to be solved by any one specific YouTube video, podcast, speech, whatever you want to call this. But this hopefully is a start of a dialogue that we can self-reflect on and can do continued improvement and learning. Thanks so much. Hey, this is Jeff Wu here taping a postscript. As we wrapped up production, my producer Zola and I thought about what we could do more than just pay lip service here. I don't want to be just another talking head that talks a lot and does no action. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to put our money where our mouth set and HVMN and I are committed to donating 100% of the ad revenue for the month of June to a great cause. And that great cause is the Talent by Opportunity Fund started by Nathan Jones and my good friends at Andreessen Horowitz, a venture capital firm that helps companies grow and get started. When Zoe and I were brainstorming which causes to support, it was really important for me that we don't make this political and we do something that we truly believe is good for our country. And something dear and near to my heart is this idea that talent is universal. Talent is everywhere, whether you're a minority or in the majority. There's so many smart and hardworking people. But the fact is, is that opportunity is not universal. Opportunity is not equal. Speaking for myself, I know that I've been very lucky and fortunate and privileged to have an opportunity to go to a good college, make a network, and really understand and have the resources to build businesses and get mentorship from great people from across the spectrum. And there are smarter, more talented, and harder working people than myself that just never had the opportunity. So I'm passionate about, about closing that gap. And I think that what the Talent by Opportunity Fund is really doing just that. So if you're with me on this, please donate directly to the Talent by Opportunity Fund. The link and the information is in the show notes. I think they have a really good plan or articulation of how they're going to be accomplishing that mission. But second best thing to do if you're not able to donate directly is to help share this episode or the podcast in general to your friends, to your family. The more support and the momentum we have as a community, the more leverage and more impact that we can make on our program to help nudge and change and educate the world in a way that we want to see it going. That's it from me. Be safe, be informed, and I'll talk to you very soon.